Holy, the uh, the joys of doing this multiple times is you wait a couple of days and you've just got a full segment of news stories, rumors, and, and slates of games that have gone on. And uh, we head into the second episode of the Second Thoughts podcast here. Uh, we got to come over and we got to cover all of the games around the National Hockey League. All the series right now, uh, as of recording this, as of August 31st, uh, all of them are at 3-1, which is crazy enough, but also very exciting expected uh the new best coach in the national hockey league i have the reasons for behind the bench boss on this team who by the way are in the playoffs right now uh tampa bay lightning learning from their playoff mistakes and they are adapting uh why dallas vegas is going to be such a fun series and yes i'm already predicting them we also got to talk the leading contender to land the head coaching job in washington and then a few other news and rumors to get from around the national hockey league let's go Episode 2 of the Second Thoughts Podcast. My name is Kyle Grimard, uh, your host here. Uh, super exciting news, the fact that now we are streaming live on Apple Podcasts. Uh, as well, we are on Spotify, we are on Google Podcasts, and Anchor if you want to go check out any other streams. Uh, very exciting stuff. It's uh, I always thought the hardest part was getting on Apple Podcasts. Just turns out you had to submit to be, and I guess you had to go into some sort of review process, but super exciting, and uh, I know a huge market where a, a lot of people will be listening, and you know, I appreciate the fact that we have a couple subscribers now, which is uh, which is awesome. I say we because I feel like you know, we're a part of this, you know, it's not just me here, it's, you know, you're listening in your car, you're listening on your way to work, whether you're walking, with your bike riding, I know, you know, you just sometimes put on a podcast while you're cleaning the house, so I uh, appreciate you coming in and, uh, and taking this trip with me. Uh, let's start with this, and and I've uh, I named the episode "Better Late Than Never." You know, the last time we, you know, I recorded this podcast, the news broke that the National Hockey League was preparing to sit out uh, games in in honor of you know what started in the National Basketball Association with the Milwaukee Bucks, and that led on to them sitting for a few games. Uh, all eight teams currently involved in the Stanley Cup playoffs all sat at least a game. Uh, the um, the National Hockey League, you know, came up with a statement as well as its players, um, stating that you know they were they were a little late to the party, but it's better to be late to the party than to not show up at all. And at first, you know, the NHL kind of got a little bit of grief for what took place. You know, when when the news first broke that the NBA was gonna was gonna boycott at least a game or two or sit out, but the NHL came around. And I got to give them credit. They they did their thing. I was listening to, funny enough, another podcast. And, 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 and I agreed with the point that was made in the sense that, you know, the NHL could have made a significant statement and impact if they were to have jumped on right away or slightly after the NBA did, specifically because it is a prominently white sport. And that kind of statement made, I think, would have would have been huge for the NHL. And we are in a time and place right now where, you know, every single action, every single movement that takes place, you know, it, it's going to be a part of history, you know, 30, 40, 50, 100 years from now when they look back at the COVID-19 pandemic and the Black Lives Matter movement. And, you know, I think the NHL had a, had a real opportunity to 
make a statement um, considering the ratio of, of white versus black players or, or, or native players or, or players from, from other ethnicities. But nevertheless, I think the NHL did a nice job afterwards of coming out, making statements, um, you know, leaders of the, um, uh, the national, the, the Alliance of the, the national hockey league, you know, headed by, you know, Matt Dumba and Ryan Reeves and, and a few other players. They made, I believe over a hundred phone calls straight up to players and, and calling them one by one to explain to them the reasoning behind it. And all the players went up to the press box together or to the, um, made a statement with one another. And I, I thought that was, that was big. I, Matt Dumber is clearly the, you know, one of the, the, the big leaders involving this. He was the one that gave the big speech when the NHL did in fact come back. Uh, he was the first NHL player to take a knee. And, uh, and and I think he's the right man for the job for leading this and, and, and good for him and good for everyone else to step up as well and, and show their their involvement with one another and to show that, you know, they are all in this together. So I think that's super awesome. Uh, heading over to the, you know, we'll go through the slate of games right now. Uh, all four teams, Lightning, Vegas Golden Knights, Dallas Stars, and the New York Islanders are all up 3-1 in their series right now uh, as I'm recording this. Couple teams have an opportunity here to close it out. The Tampa Bay Lightning are up 3-1 in their series. Uh, they play Boston, and then the Colorado Avalanche and Dallas Stars. Colorado looking to stay alive in that one. So, like I said, all four series right now currently at three to one for the leading team. I would say all of the series, even the New York Islanders and Philadelphia Flyers series, is expected. You know, I feel like they're all expected series in the way that they're going. I'll get to Tampa a little bit later on, um, but this, this this Tampa team showed when they took out Columbus in five that they weren't joking around. Like, this is a team that has learned from their mistakes and has said, you know what, we are going all... They've completely adapted. John Cooper has done a sensational job with that lineup. Braden Point has become a playoff phenom and 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 it's just it's just been incredible so I'm not surprised at that, that series uh the Dallas Stars Colorado Avalanche one I'll talk a little bit more about as well in previewing the uh Dallas Stars the Vegas Golden Knights series yes that's going to be a series um you know I think Colorado just had too many injuries unfortunately and it's 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 tough because they are such a wagon right now but uh they're young they're gonna learn from this they're gonna get better um you know, Colorado Avalanche fans, I, I wouldn't sweat it too much. You guys are going to be fine. Mikhail McCarr is ridiculous. Nathan McKinnon, you got locked up for, what, five, six more years at six and a half, seven million dollars. Like, get out of here with that. And then um, and then the, the New York Islanders and Philadelphia Flyers, I this is, Islanders just did this. They just did this to the Washington Capitals, who, again, were thinking that they were going to go on a run and maybe, you know, make it a, a couple rounds deep. And this is the what Islanders have done, and you know I've got a I've got a big statement on the New York Islanders coming up in just a little bit. But you know dominance in all of the teams that are currently winning in all their games, they're sticking to their systems. It's been uh, it's been um, it's been immaculate. I don't see any one of the teams trailing three one right now to come back and win their series. I can see the Flyers winning one, maybe two games, but I think Tampa I think Tampa closes. I think I, I see Boston winning a game, but but Tampa's winning that series in 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 five or six. Uh, Dallas is going to take Colorado out. Uh, Colorado, they just look so disheartened um, in their 5-4 loss. I, they, one of their best defensemen or defensive defensemen, Eric Johnson's out. Um, you know, their goaltending situation. You know, Grubauer's their number one guy. He's not there and you've got to go to your backup. And he just, right now, he's not holding the fort. And Dallas has found their scoring touch and they were a defensive team to start. So very, very interesting. But I'll start with this. It's become clear who the best coach in the National Hockey League is. 
a lot of people were 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 vouching for John Tortorella, and he's right up there. Like, he's probably top three, top five coach, hands down for sure. But Barry Trotz is the best coach in the National Hockey League. There's nothing else I can say about it. Barry Trotz, if you don't even agree, he's right there, right at the top. He's absolutely one of the top ones. Like, let's let's go back and look at this for a second. Barry Trotz is coaching the NHL for 16 seasons. He's made the playoffs 13 times with three different teams. Roster changeovers. I mean, Nashville was, was a perennial contender. Remember we used to coach the Nashville Predators for a long time? They were, they were perennial contenders to always, you know, make a run. They just happened to run into a dynasty in the Chicago Blackhawks every year. Or they'd have to go up against the St. Louis Blues in a grueling first round. Or they play the Kings, who would go on to win the Stanley Cup, where Jonathan Quick was just lights up. Like, they never got any luck, unfortunately. And they were had, they had some good teams. So Trotz gets let go because, you know, Nashville needs a change. And that's understandable. I mean, they hung on for as long as they could. He goes over to Washington. And immediately gets them over their second round second round um, issues. They go on, they win a Stanley Cup. And now he's in New York. The year that they lose their captain, their centerpiece, their number one overall pick in John Tavares. And they've gone to the playoffs back-to-back years and implemented this system. Which is just, it's ridiculous. I think, in my opinion, he is the best coach in the NHL by far considering the talent that he has had to work with in New York. He always had talent in Washington. Sure, that's the argument. But but what was the problem? They never had a defensive system. They would have lapses. All of a sudden, Barry Trotz gets there, implements that system. They go on and win a Stanley Cup. He leaves. Washington's been balanced the last two years in the first round by much better defensive teams and teams with better coaches and better structures than them. Don't tell me coaching doesn't matter. Coaching matters. And it matters big time in Washington. A team has all the talent in the world. They've gone through Bruce Boudreaux. They've gone through, you know, Adam Oates. Uh, they've gone, I, uh, Dale Hunter. None of them. None of them can implement the systems that Barry Trotz has gone on and implemented. Like, look, look what he's done in New York right now. New York Islanders are the complete opposite of the Washington Capitals. They have all of the grits on that team. Matt Martin, Casey Sezikis, Cal Clutterbuck, Leo Komarov, like all the guys, even their captain, Anders Lee, big physical guy, but like very little skill. Like their biggest quote-unquote superstar is Matt Barzell, and he's like 22 years old. That just makes it more impressive as to what he did there. He had big, like he had big defensive stop gaps when he was in Nashville. He had Shea Weber. He had Roman Yossi. He had Ryan Suter. Right? In Washington, he had all of the, you know, the offensive talent. He had Ovechkin, Backstrom, Kuznetsov, Oshie. You know, New York, he's kind of dealing with, you know, a lot of guys who are just, like, good players, but no superstar over-the-top talent. Not to mention a goaltender who was written off by Colorado last year in Varlamov. He's had the best goaltending tandems in the NHL the last two seasons with three different guys. He's just, I think he's the best coach. I think I think he really is. And, you know, New York has a chance to do something special with that roster. They really do. Um, I want to move on to the Tampa Bay Lightning here and talk a little bit more in depth about them. You know, a lot of times in, in, in hockey, you know, in sports, you know, what happens when, you know, you lose? You know, one of two things happen. You learn from your mistakes and you adapt and you get better. 
or those mistakes come back to haunt you each and every year. And we've seen multiple teams on both sides of the spectrum do it. Tampa Bay has gone over all the obstacles in past years. They lost in the second round of the playoffs to the Boston Bruins, who went on, I believe, that year to go to either the Conference Final or the Stanley Cup Final. They lost in the Eastern Conference Final to the Washington Capitals. They went on to win the Stanley Cup in a seven-game series. And then they got swept last year at the hands of the Columbus Blue Jackets. This team has been through heartache. Remember there was a year where they just injuries riddled them and they missed the playoffs too and they almost beat it? It's all coming together for them now. They are finally starting to beat their demons and everything is starting to click. And by the way, they're doing all of this without their captain, Steven Stamkos. Do you remember him? He hasn't played since they got to the bubble. Which is even more miraculous. Brain Point has become the player. Brain Point's a problem. Brain Point is a nightmare to go against for any other team. And I think one of, if not the biggest reason that this team has been able to succeed. As he has stepped in for Stamkos as the number one center. I know Stamkos plays right wing too. But he has stepped in and he has been an absolute nightmare to handle on a nightly basis. Kucherov is finally starting to get into scoring touch again. I know he had a slow start when they got to the bubble. I think he's the lead, he's the league leader right now in playoff assists. He's like 14 assists or something stupid. And they're like they are, I know it's an obvious statement, but they are a legit contender. And they're a good bet to make the Stanley Cup final. Honestly, probably win it. Like the bet I have right now, the Tampa Bay Lightning and and the Vegas Golden Knights meeting each other in the Stanley Cup final. Like, how much fun would that series be, first of all? But they just they have they've learned from their past. A lot of people thought that sweep at the hands of the Blue Jackets was going to cripple them. Cripple them. And then we're talking about it in the offseason. I remember I was listening around to, you know, some of the some of the big boys on big networks talking about what, what's going on in Tampa. Like they were not happy when they got swept. And obviously, they were the president's trophy winners. They had set records for the amount of wins in a season. They were a juggernaut, and everybody was putting money on them to go to the finals. They have learned. They have learned from their mistakes. It's been years of it, but they've learned from their mistakes and they are finally at the point where they are putting everything together. Like, imagine if they get Stamkos back. Like, that just... Like, there are so many... They made so many moves that people question too. Like, they traded a first-round pick for Barclay Goodrow from the San Jose Sharks. They traded a second-round pick for Blake Coleman. Blake Coleman has been a great third-line player for that team. Yanni Gord has stepped up. Like, they're not an overly big team. I just love watching a team put it all together. And that's why I think I was such a big fan when the Washington Capitals won the cup. Like they went through a decade of losing with Ovechkin and finally things just clicked and they all got it together. And I think right now that that's the same thing going on with the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're legit. I know people have said that in the past, but just watching them in the playoffs now, like they're dominating teams. They're going in, they're doing what, do you remember when, when George St. Pierre if you're not a UFC fan, I apologize for this. But George St. Pierre is one of the most decorated UFC fighters in, in UFC history. Canadian from Montreal. And he only lost two fights in his entire career. And learned from both those mistakes. Had a rematch against both those guys. Beat them both. But what, but what George St. Pierre did was he took what you were best at. If he went up against a guy who was strictly a boxer. All he would do was study boxing. And he would walk into the ring and beat you at your own game. Tampa Bay's beating Boston at their own game. 
Tampa Bay beat Columbus at their own game. You think Tampa liked winning 2-1, 3-2 games? No, but that's what it took to win the games against them. Because Columbus wasn't going to give you much. So the moment you took an inch, you had to go a mile with it. They beat Columbus at their own game, and they're beating Boston at their own game. I know Boston doesn't have Tuka Rask, but I think Rask or no Rask, it wouldn't have mattered. I really don't think it would have mattered. They are they are out shooting them every game. I think they've outshot them three of the four games they've played right now. I believe all three games that they've outshot them, they've won. But they're hitting, they're physical, they're relentless. That's the word I'm looking for. They're relentless. They took what Columbus did to them last year. They've taken what Boston did to them a few years back. They took what Washington did. They're relentless. And they're just non-stop. And they come in waves. And it's a, it's with guys who, you know, aren't the big superstar names. Blake Coleman, Barkley Goodrow, Tyler Johnson. None of them huge, but relentless, forechecking, and they just and they don't stop till they win. It's 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 spectacular to watch. Uh, I I I have them going to the finals. I really do. Uh, and also another series you can bank on in the in the West is Dallas Vegas. Book it now. Book it now. Both teams up three one. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But you know I I don't see Colorado coming back against Dallas, and I think Vegas has just proved that they just they overmatch. Vancouver. The only reason Vancouver comes back and wins three straight games is if is if Jakob Markstrom gives up a goal a game for the next three and makes like thirty five saves in the process. Uh, but but Dallas Vegas is going to be fun. I'm already previewing it. Dallas is one of those teams that you know a, a lot of teams have tried this this angle before to build a roster where they're like almost there. They just need that like experience to get them over the hump. So they went out a couple years ago and they got Corey Perry. Right, his contract ended with the Ducks. He signed a he signed a deal, and and Corey Perry, you know, for the most part, has been you know what you expected. Obviously, you know, digressed a little bit, but you know, playing a third line role, maybe your second line every now and then. But the the acquisition of Joe Pavelski, and this this is who Joe everyone was absolutely destroying it the moment he got over there because of the way he performed in the regular season. Like, yeah, Joe Pavelski, you know, was a pretty good regular season performer. He's also like 36, 37 years old. He was slowly, you, you digress at some point. But what was the one thing about Joe Pavelski that you knew was almost a slam dunk or you knew you were going to get at least a good amount of? Playoff Joe Pavelski. Playoff Joe Pavelski's a real thing. He was a huge catalyst when San Jose went to the finals. He's such a he like he is right there in terms of of playoff game seven guys as Justin Williams was for the Kings, he was for the Caps, and he was for Carolina. Joe Pavelski has been money in the bank in the postseason for Dallas, and he just continues to th- like this is the time of year where guys either rise to the occasion or they falter. Braden Point I mentioned was one of them. Joe Pavelski is another guy. Joe Pavelski is a guy that's been just phenomenal. The, se- the series between Dallas Colorado should have been tighter. It really should have. Philip Grubauer and Eric Johnson both getting hurt to start this thing off in a game where they lost was tough. Like, that's a tough way to start. And honestly, it's a very difficult way to recover after that. And, you know, when uh, when Dallas took home game four, like they won 5-4. Uh, you just saw McCarr goes behind the net to play the puck. He mishandles it, goes out in front, and and Dallas buries it to make it, I think, 5-3 at that point, or, or 4-3. Uh, you just, you watch over the bench, and McCarr's, like, just drained. 
McKinnon's like, I can't keep doing everything. I know they've gotten a lot of help from Nazem Kadri, but really it's been a lot of Nathan McKinnon and Kale McCarr carrying that load. Kadri has been a very, very nice surprise, but I mean, one or two guys, it, it's just, we've seen this before. One guy can only do so much. Or one guy or one line, they can only, like, it's it's a team effort. Look at Edmonton. McDavid and Dreisaitl had, like, 18 and 13 points in, like, six games. And they still lost to Chicago, who got almost swept by Vegas. Same thing happened with the Leafs when they made that super line with Tavares, Matthews, Marner. They got shut out in game in game five against Columbus. It's a team effort. And and just, I, I'm, I'm not trying to, trying to, uh, put down any Colorado fans listening. Colorado's going to be fine. Kadri, you've got on a sweet deal for the next little bit. McKinnon's locked up for a while. Miko Rantanen, Gabriel Landeskog. You got Kale McCarr, Sam Gerrard on the back. Like, you're fine. But but Vegas-Dallas is going to be a fun series. I give the slight edge right now to Vegas just because I like their goaltending more. I think Kudobin had, has Kudobin's played fantastic. I think Kudobin's played over his head. I just don't think he can keep it up against a team like Vegas, who when Dallas pushes, Vegas is going to push back. It's going to be a fun series, though. Really is. Uh, second last thing here before we get into some of the rumors going around. Uh, there, well, we kind of start with a rumor here, and that is uh, that Pierre Laviolette is the leading contender to be the next head coach of the Washington Capitals. So obviously Washington at the end of being bounced in the first round, uh, Todd Reardon was was let go. He was relieved of his duties. Uh, Todd Reardon just wasn't the guy. And to an extent too, I can't blame him. You really can't blame Todd Reardon. Your former boss goes over to New York. You are now the head coach of the defending Stanley Cup champions. That's enough pressure as it is. And the second year you go into the playoffs thinking you've slowly got things figured out, you face your old boss, a guy who is now the coach in New York, and then he comes and beats you. It's a, it's a tough situation to get into, but when you inherit a team like the Washington Capitals, you they are expected to be great. They expect excellence each and every year, and they expect to contend with the greatest goal scorer of all time. And they expect to contend with the greatest goal scorer of all time. Simple as that. Uh, Peter Laviolette, though, very interesting name. I haven't heard a ton from him in the last little bit. You know, hasn't been a head coach in a very long time. Uh, I, and I think they bring him over because this is a crazy stat that I read, too. The Washington Capitals, outside of Barry Trotz, have never hired a coach with NHL experience in the Alexander Ovechkin era. I read this on an article on The Score. Outside of Barry Trotz, and everyone's like, Bruce Brujo. Bruce Brujo was not a head coach. I believe he was an assistant coach before he became the head coach in Washington, and then he went to Anaheim. That's a wild stat to me. And so Peter Laviolette, it's been a long time since he's been a head coach, but I think, I remember when he was in Nashville, he was known for having very good defensive systems, right? They had great defense to begin with, but he was, I think he was a little bit more known for his defensive for his defensive mind. I remember that, that Nashville team having trouble scoring goals. The best thing about it is that's the best kind of coach you can get for Washington. Because you're going to have you're going to have assistant coaches that run the power play, that run some of the offensive schemes. If Peter Laviolette can go into Washington and focus on the defensive structure of that team and get something back, I think you're like John Carlson had one of the worst series I think he's ever had as a cap. And there was just there was no structure. It was all offense, and when it didn't work, when it didn't pan out, that team just imploded. Like they got handled by the New York Islanders. I didn't see it coming. Some people did. I had no idea why. They showed me why. 
But I think this is a, uh, I think this would be a good, a good call. There's a lot of pretty decent candidates. I think Peter Laviolette, for some reason, makes sense in Washington. Uh, but, but, but the thing is, Washington has to get a coach with, with NHL experience. That window is not much bigger. And they've only got a few more years. I know they just re-signed Nick Backstrom. But, you know, Backstrom, Ovi are in their, you know, early to mid-30s now. That window is slowly starting to close on them, uh, rivaling for a Stanley Cup. And, you know, I, they need to make a decision. They need to make a decision. I think their goaltending situation is going to be fine, even if with hope he's gone. Um, you know, that that Delia Samsonov guy who's uh, going to be the guy uh, filling in for Holpe, I think he's going to be fine. I think it'll take a year or two, but... I you just you can't play Braden you can't you just can't pay Braden Holpe anymore just can't. Uh, yeah, Peter Laviolette in contention for the head coaching job. Nothing has really you know gone on with that, uh, but that's just a rumor uh, lobbying around right now. Uh, let's get to some uh, other rumors going around the National Hockey League. Uh, one in particular that I found hilarious, and again I try I'm gonna try not to harp as much on uh, on these guys or try not to talk about these guys as much. But uh, rumor going around about the Carolina Hurricanes having a vested interest in Toronto Maple Leafs goaltender Frederick Anderson. Uh, Freddie will be going into his final year of his five-year contract where he got paid $5 million annually. Uh, Anderson has been the Leafs' number one guy. He has posted a uh, .916 save percentage and a 2.77 goals against average in 244 games for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, this past year was by far his worst. He played only 52 games, uh, had a 909 save percentage, uh, a rough one. And, you know, Toronto on this has been rumored saying that Toronto doesn't really have interest in, in trading him unless an upgrade is available. And, uh, and, you know, there is a strong crop of free agent goaltenders ready to hit the market. Include in and there is a strong list and, and, and crop of goaltenders ready to hit the free agency market. Uh, some of the names include Corey Crawford, Braden Holtby, Robin Leonard. Uh, you know, Matt Murray is a restricted free agent, but... Uh, I don't think this anything's going to come of this. I think it's just a rumor that a team is interested in uh, in, in Freddie Anderson. I think Kyle Dubas did talk about um, there was a rumor about Freddie's name being out there on the market. If for some reason there was a deal to transpire between the Hurricanes and the Leafs, this is what I think. Because they don't have the goaltending to, to, to send back to Toronto... I think you're going to have to give up a goaltender, and Toronto would want would want a, a defenseman as well. And I know in Carolina is rich with right hand defensemen. Uh, it wouldn't be a guy like Dougie Hamilton. I think he just makes too much money for Toronto to be able to absorb. But I think in order for the caps to work out, I think Toronto would have to send over another guy like a Janssen or a Kerfoot, and in exchange maybe a guy like Brett Pesci. And spitballing names, I'm not throwing out a rumor or a deal that I think is going to happen. I just think if Toronto would be willing to trade Frederick Anderson to the Carolina Hurricanes, they either have to get a guy like Peter Morazic plus a Brett Pesci back, or they're going to get a draft pick, Pesci, and that is uncertain that they are going to sign a guy in the offseason like a Crawford or a Leonard or someone like that. Um, if that's Kyle Dubas's mindset as well about looking for an upgrade in net, the only guys that I would even consider for an upgrade would be Robin Leonard or Braden Holpe or Corey Crawford. And I think the only guy realistically you could find for the same price range as you're paying Freddie right now, and I would think that would be in the 5 to half to $6 million range, is Crawford. I think that Leonard's going to want about well over 6 and I think Holpe is looking for a pay raise as well. I know he didn't have a good playoff run, but he's coming off a year prior where he won a couple of years ago where he won a Stanley Cup. Uh, I can't see any of those guys making less than 6 even in the flat cap era, but... 
Uh, interesting to see. I think this whole Frederick Anderson situation does wait out until free agency settles and Toronto has figured out what to do from there. Also, when every other team that's currently playing in the playoffs is done and then Toronto can negotiate then with all 31 teams across the league. So that's um, that's the, that's all I've really got going on for me right now. Uh, let's get to some other news and notes around the National Hockey League, and we'll start with the first story here involving a potential UFA and an attempt to get him signed before the, the deadline hits, and that is St. Louis Blues defenseman Alex Petrangelo. Him and the team met earlier this week uh, as talks begin for an extension to possibly take place in St. Louis. Uh, this is from Elliot Friedman from 31 Thoughts. He says, I believe the captain wants to stay a blue, but a couple of sources warned that it hasn't been easy for Petrangelo to see extensions elsewhere along the lineup, a.k.a. the Justin Falk signing, Marco Scandella, Braden Shen, um, Colton Perenko. You know, that whole right side is, is filled out. Uh, and unfortunately, talks have completely stalled. He says there's a lot of emotion here that makes talks more difficult. So there were there was news that, that talking about Alex Petrangelo, captain of the Blues, he wants to stay a Blue. You know, they are right there in contention. And, you know, the big story that came out of the playoffs afterwards was that upwards of 20% of the roster uh, had at one point COVID-19 before entering the bubble. And I just think some guys never recovered from it. But he's got a he's got a point here, and and I understand why there are so many teams who are in need of a right hand shot defenseman who are licking their chops. Everyone's saying, oh, you know, it's not a possibility because he's going to resign there. Here's the problem: he he's going to command a little bit more money. The Blues don't have a lot of cap space to begin with, and they have three right hand shot defensemen. One of them they locked up last year like a five six year deal in Justin Falk. If St. Louis wants to re-sign Petrangelo, there's going to have to be some cost cut. I think they I think Marco Scandella makes like two or three million dollars. Justin Falk makes like four. But Petrangelo's your captain. He's going to be your anchor, and he is a legit elite number one defenseman. Not just right-handed, but a number one defenseman in the National Hockey League. So, you know, all those teams looking for a right-hand shot, uh, albeit the Calgary Flames, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs are another one. You know, every team's looking for that right-hand shot defenseman. You don't think the Winnipeg Jets are licking their chomps right now after the season they just endured? Where Jacob Truba, Tyler Myers, and Dustin Bufflin were all not there a year prior to them all being on the roster. You don't think that Winnipeg is using a guy like Petrangelo? Oh my gosh. If Winnipeg finds a way to get Petrangelo, they are immediate Stanley Cup contenders. Immediate. Very interesting to see. Uh, very surprised with uh, Elliot Freeman here talking about that there are a lot of emotions and that um, the a few sources warned him that it hasn't been easy for Petrangelo to see extensions because of other contracts in the lineup. Um, example, Justin Falk, Marco Scandella, Braden Shen, Colton Perenko. Very interesting stuff. We'll, uh, we'll follow that story as it, uh, as it goes along as well. Um, there's a, uh, a little bit of a, uh, an issue going around right now with the fact that, you know, Pittsburgh and Toronto were able to make a trade with one another involving Kasper and Kapanen. Uh, a lot of teams saying that, you know, they don't like the fact that teams weren't able to to set in bids for Kasperi Kapanen because they are currently playing in the Stanley Cup playoffs right now. You know, only teams that have been eliminated from the bubble are allowed to negotiate with one another in terms of, of, of trades. And that's why Jim Rutherford of the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins, he didn't want to wait. He made the move. He pounced. And uh, and evidently teams are, are are not thrilled about it, and they thought they had uh, they would wait till draft time. But 
I just think it was hilarious knowing that, you know, everyone thought that Toronto made out like bandits, but then after you look back on it, you know, teams are disgruntled and upset that they didn't have an opportunity to, um, you know, bid on Kasperi Kapanen or go get a chance at the Penguins draft pick. Listen, this is just a scenario that happened to work out for both teams. Pittsburgh wanted that guy. Toronto wanted a pick. They made a deal work. It happened. Um, be thankful you're still in the Stanley Cup playoffs if you are a team still playing for it. Uh, I if, if Toronto was in it right now, and I said this in episode one that I am a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, if the Leafs were in the playoffs right now and I saw two teams make a deal, I wouldn't care. You want to know why? Because my team would be in the playoffs. That's why. Maybe that's just me being a uh, a salty Leaf fan, but hey. And then the uh, the last story here is the rumors going around with the bubbles, you know, seeming to work very well. Uh, you know, some people don't believe that there will be a bubble next season. So the players won't want it. And honestly, the owners won't want it. The teams are going to be looking to make money. Um, they thought that, you know, the bubble was just a really good opportunity for the teams to play it out and try to get the season in uh, with the playoffs without having to forfeit it. You know, there's television deals and everything else going on right now. And there's online sales. And you saw the Edmonton Oilers with their 50-50 their draw that they had like, the, the winner had like $7 million or something. But very interesting to see that, you know, there's there will uh, there's talks that they don't think there's going to be a bubble for the start of the 2020-2021 season. Uh, they'll, they'll want to path towards attendance and are going to try and wait as long as possible to see if they can have one. And, you know, they're going to try and... They're going to try and limit the amount of travels possible. So there's going to be a lot of teams playing back-to-back in one city. Um, and that just means that there could be a Canadian division on the in the works there. So... There is going to be a lot of decision-making. I have no idea. I would like it if the bubble just stayed, to be honest with you. I think the system has worked, and, you know, since players have entered the bubble, there have been no COVID cases. It's been a just resounding success the moment that this team got into the bubble, and I just, I can't imagine... It'd be very interesting to see how they would do it because once travel gets involved, and I think you're going to start getting around the point where, you know, you're going to see a second wave in North America, specifically around flu season. It'll be very interesting. I get that, you know, the, the owner's standpoint and them trying to create revenue, but listen, you are businessmen. Your whole job as a businessman is to think of innovative ways to create business. Whether that is the online store, whether that is rights to the local games, whether that is 50-50 draws like the Edmonton Oilers did. Like, there's so many different things that you can do to create revenue. I understand that a big part of it is getting fans in their seats watching games, buying hot dogs and beer and all that fun stuff. But for the safety and, and sake of the players, for the continuation of the sport, I think it makes no sense if you go out of the bubble. If things change, obviously, and COVID, and there's a vaccine, and 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 COVID has significantly died down, sure. But I am doing this podcast right now in London, Ontario, in a spot where over the last two days, a report came out that there have been zero COVID cases in the London, uh, Middlesex, Brantford surrounding areas, which is a pretty large portion of the area. You know, in some spots, we're doing all right, but in some areas in the United States, COVID-19 is still a problem. It is still an issue. There are still cases rising in some areas. And and frankly, I don't know how some teams would feel going into Florida or Tampa to play a road game when cases were spiking there at one point. I think players are comfortable in Canada. I think players are comfortable in the bubble. A little bored, albeit. But 
you know, they're safe, they're playing hockey, they're having fun, there's no fan pressure, you're seeing what, certain, what some players are like. Television is getting phenomenal ratings, because now players are getting mic'd up, you can hear everything on the ice, you hear the communication from players back and forth. I think it's worked out incredibly well. We'll see in the coming months the way things work out, but very interesting that uh, that there is belief that there will not be a, uh, a bubble to start the 2020-2021 season. Uh, interesting stuff. All right, that uh, that just about does it. A little bit shorter than what I was, uh, what I was expecting the episode to, to be today, but hey, got through all the news, got through all the updates. Uh and I made every single point that I needed to make. If there's something that you want me to talk about, if there is a, a team, a story, a player, uh, make sure you send it over to uh, either my Twitter or Instagram page at these at Second Thoughts P. Uh, make sure you follow along. Like I said earlier on in the show, we are now on Apple Podcasts. Just search for Second Thoughts Podcast. Uh, Kyle Grimard. We're also on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all of wherever you happen to get your podcasts. Uh, at some point in the near future, I am going to look to start doing some sort of video content as well, but I think just for the time being, I just wanted to start getting content out there uh, for you to listen to, enjoy, get some feedback with, develop some sort of base, and then uh, and then go from there. Uh, that is it for me today. Enjoy. I'll be back for episode three very soon. That's a wrap.